0: so excited for this weekend and it's only Wednesday. Ah. But it's like an entertainment blowout. Like stories of essentially my teens and 20s coming to an end. Like I've been watching Game of Thrones since it came out nine years ago. I've been watching Marvel movie since they came out 11 years ago. And it's now coming to an end. But it's not about the destination, it's the journey as you get there. Well, it's partly about the destination. If, you know, this big battle in Game of Thrones wasn't going to come about, then I'd be pretty pissed off. And if Avengers Endgame was a big steaming pile of crap, I would be pretty pissed off. But I'm hearing good things on both fronts. So, I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, you know, I always say, people ask me, what what do I believe in? I would say it's the stories we tell ourselves. On a personal level, it's the story you tell yourself when you wake up in the morning. What goals are you setting in life? What steps are you taking to achieve those goals? In the larger sense, how do you fit into your community? What stories are you reading to not just escape and have a little fun and a little entertainment, but also learn a few things? And what are the deeper stories, the deeper traditions, the things you might have learned in church? It's the stories that are the most important and I am blown away just focusing on the Marvel movies for a moment on what's about to happen this weekend, starting tomorrow night, Thursday night, when it comes out to the general public. And by the way, I have two friends here this evening. We have Mr Spotlow. Hello, sir. Hey man. And we have Well, husband. How are you, sir? <laughs> Dad. Hus- husband today? Yeah, how you doing, Eric? <laughs> I'm good. Oh well, y'all were just uh, this week. You've been a part of some movie making. Yeah, me
1: and Dad. Yeah, y'all had to play racists.
0: <laughs> no, it was it
2: was rioters. No,
1: rioters, not rioters. Not racist. racist rioters. It
2: might be racist, but we were just rioters. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's the implication of racism, though. Well, yeah, we were always beating up black people, so I guess that's... Set in the 60s. Home rebar. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, that's... I've never been an extra in the movie. Now, I've had... When I was in high school and they are shooting big fish around these areas, a few of my classmates ended up as extras. And they had some... You can actually see one of them, John, in the basketball scene. He's, like, right behind the team, right in the front row of the bleachers. Um, It's cool stuff. So, I mean... That's awesome, guys. That's a cool opportunity. I'm working all day, so I couldn't have done it. Look
1: at our foreheads. See her foreheads? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> actually, I do.
0: You know, I'm matching. It's not quite sunburned, but it is... Y'all are it's, both very tan. It,
2: yeah, it's mellowed since yesterday. It, but, yeah, it, my, I was... I was oozing out of my forehead this morning. <laughs> this is all that...
1: Yeah, it was horrible. <clears throat> I'm dumb, I'm tan, and I'm going to do it again tomorrow.
0: Well, I imagine the movie y'all were in was, I mean, probably a few million, if not more, budget. It's a lot. A good, a good budget, though. A lot. But I can't imagine working on a movie that probably had $100 million plus budget-like avengers endgame or infinity war these movies and people have why would you spend why would disney and marvel studios spend that much money on making a movie because here's the figure here's the number that is expected the already global opening weekend record was set by avengers infinity war last year at about 640 million dollars in one weekend worldwide but that figure last year did not include china Because the movie didn't open up in China the same weekend as everything else. So it didn't count to that opening weekend number. It's opening in China this year. It's opening all over the world. Across cultures, different languages, blah, 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 blah. Different politics, whatever, religions. And they're expecting Avengers Endgame, this culmination of 11, 12 years of storytelling to gross around 850 to $900 million in a weekend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'll reach over a billion dollars, they're thinking, in a week. They've never had this many pre-sales in China. All those websites like Fandango and all these sites that you can <clears throat> buy movie tickets early, they said they've never seen this amount of tickets go this early this fast. It's like a huge cultural event. So, for folks who aren't into this stuff, I don't necessarily feel bad for you. It's your choice. I mean, maybe you're just not interested in this stuff. But I, re- I can remember points in my life where there was a period where I was like, the ah, stupid superhero movies. Who needs that crap? Never. Never. It's,
2: I'm at that point right now. So you are? Yeah. It's like I, I watched Infinity War. Yeah. But I think I had to watch it like three or four times just to be able to finish it.
0: It is long. Well, that one was two and a half
1: hours. He's turning into the father I never had.
0: This movie upcoming, Endgame, is three hours long. Yeah. It's like Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Not the extended version. Return of the King DVD set. like 25 hours. It's like five hours long. (laughs) It's unreal how long that extended cut is. But, I don't know. I I love anything that I can sink my teeth into. Mm -hmm. Or you can go and enjoy these movies. They're just great entertainment, great special effects, cool action, um, good storytelling in the sense that there are nice character arcs, blah, 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 but when you also have, and so you can just consume it like as escapism, as entertainment, but you can also sink deeper into these worlds and the world building they've done, and that's the stuff I love, because you can really get into it.
1: It's insane how they go, You, I mean, how they do it. You know, there's like that timeline. There's not really a timeline on how we get it, but there's a different timeline on how, like, everybody has come out. And I mean, think of even Hulk, the the first right. Hulk that sucked. Oh, with the, they had to change the actor. Yeah, the first Hulk. Right. Yeah, but it's still there, you know. And I mean, the point is there. Well, and if
0: you go back to the Iron Man, the first one, directed by Jon Favreau. Fantastic! That's yeah. still a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch. The first Captain America movie, really cool movie. It's like a superhero World War Two movie.
1: Even even if they did suck, I still
0: love watching them. Right. Well, yeah, and there. But that's one thing. There are plenty of movies out there, like uh, like terrible movies, like uh, Showgirls. Oh, I've terrible, seen Terrible, terrible movie. Just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not the acting is. Abhorrent, especially for a lead actress.
1: Never seen it. I saw stills, but I've never seen it.
0: She had much better acting skills than Saved by the Bell that actress. <laughs> I mean, and they hit some hard topics on Saved by the Bell folks, didn't uh, they? I mean, oh, like the one man. where, was it Jesse's hooked on, on Speed? The, oh yeah, well mm, I think man. they're technically like caffeine pills.
1: Uh-huh. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you as a parent rather hear that? And You know, with the opioid crisis and things out there these days, it's like, oh good, you're just taking a lot of caffeine pills. <laughs> 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 Though I could see like Real poignant and somber, like Fox News documentary. Some, my child is hooked on Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, he is green. What do we do? All joking aside, I mean, there is, you drink too much caffeine, it can be an issue. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are movies like Showgirls or that terrible movie, The Room or whatever. Um, I'm trying to, th- James Franco made a movie about that director. Uh, and there are movies that have these cult
1: followings But they're not really good movies uh, Okay, the Franco one the yeah. r- It's not The Room is the movie But then he made, made a movie about the movie Yes, uh, that is because nuts. the guy's
0: just that what is Crazy the, the, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head uh, Disaster Artist? Yeah, something like that um, yeah, So there are cool movies where you get cult followings And that's fun to go watch a What's really a bad movie But Evil everybody, uh, you kind of make fun of it Yeah, and you enjoy it. And, like, the Evil Dead movies became self-aware. They became campy on purpose. Yeah. And that's fun, too. But when you have a phenomenon that is... It's almost like Star Wars all over again. I'm not talking about the new Star Wars, which still make a lot of money. I mean, like, the first time Star Wars comes out, like, in the 70s for people. Mm -hmm. And it's this huge phenomenon. That's what we're going... It's happening now. It's not only happening in film. It's happening in television with Game of Thrones huge impact. and you know some people might think I'm, I'm making too much of this, but what was the whole idea during the Cold War with the Soviet Union? Yes, we beat them geopolitically. That's why people claim we got to go fight the Vietnam War without actually declaring war because there could be the domino effect. If Vietnam falls, the next country will fall to the communist menace. But one of our best weapons against communism is like, okay, look at east germany run by the stasi and run by the communists look how poor they are look how oppressed they are look how they don't trust anybody and everybody's spied on and then look at west germany that's essentially the west in capitalism in general look how prosperous they are and so you could make it's what you could say now and i'm sure what the president has been saying to kim jong-un look at south korea that could be you why are your people so poor why are you always having to resort to these incredibly violent means of controlling your population? I mean, literally having family members turn against one another. Or weekly, they have to go in and give confessions. Like, who in your family is not loyal to the regime? And if you don't have anything to tell them, you better have something to tell them. <laughs> so they sow distrust and disunion. All this sort of stuff. So our greatest weapon of the Cold War, and I think it's our greatest weapon now is culture. is like, hey, yes, you can follow the hardcore things like freedom, democracy, private property rights, capitalism, these basic ideas, but it's more the fruits of those things. And so, yeah, I, you know, I can be as cynical as anybody else. It's just a stupid movie and people are spending their money on it. But no, when a, an incredible, compelling story is told over more than a decade, and it's not only capturing the minds of, say, the English-speaking world, where these movies come out of, it's also capturing the minds of Chinese citizens. Millions of them. It's capturing the minds of all people all over the world. That, I think, has to count for something. Like When I'm watching the WWE put on an event in Saudi Arabia, and You can tell the ruling class could give a a damn about it. But when you see young kids in the arena knowing the same exact chance an American kid in Alabama might know about wrestling, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, here's how we chant, or this is what we say when a certain thing happens in a match, that has to count for something. It won't change the world. It's not a silver bullet. But I love it when these moments of what should be, at the end of the day, somewhat frivolous things. Like uh, oh, we get to go see a movie. Oh, we get to go see a wrestling match. But these frivolous things seem to be one of the few things in life that tie people together, all around the world. No matter if you're in a uh, essentially Islamic theocracy or a Chinese atheist communist authoritarian state, or well,
1: America. I love this stuff. That's what we all have in common. We just we, we want to be entertained. Yes. Be happy. And that's what everybody wants. Well, and
0: it suggests that there are something say in these stories that are beyond just the language and the politics and the religion, emotions. Yeah, that. Well, and people can recognize that's a hero. Yeah, that's what a hero
1: does. Good guy, bad guy,
0: and oh, and that's a hero who isn't perfect. That's a hero, like in the case of Stone Tony Stark when he or Tony Stank, as uh, <laughs> one of the Stan Lee cameos says, eh, "I've got a package for Tony Stank," um, <laughs> where he starts off as kind of this troubled, spoiled playboy. Brilliant, spoiled playboy. You know, sleeps around and blows things up and drives fast cars and all this stuff, but then he kind of finds responsibility. Shuts down his weapons program. Starts trying to save the world. But, oh, no, then there's a problem with trying to save the world. Sometimes you go too far and you create more monsters than the ones you were even trying to defeat.
1: It's a cool story. It's like Thanos, man. I mean, everybody's like, hey, bad guy, bad guy. Right. And then, oh, Dad's dad over here is like, he I I I got the right idea. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean if you've got a
0: thing called the Infinity Gauntlet that can do whatever you want, manipulate time, space, mind, reality, soul, and spirit, and all this stuff, wouldn't you just create more resources? Nah. Instead, (laughs) his solution is let's kill all living half of all living beings in the universe. Glass is half full. Glass is half empty. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> so it's, uh, I, what I'm getting at, though, is there are things deeper that go beyond just sort of your nation or even a lot of the things we explicitly identify ourselves with. And people can recognize that's a good guy, that's a bad guy. These are the values and virtues of the good guys and bad guys. And often the good guys, the heroes, aren't always great. They're not perfect. And often the bad guys, like Thanos, make sense. Their motivations, you might not agree with their ends. But you can see where they're coming from. Right. And those are always the best bad guys. So it's like the bad guy that you root for. Yeah. I just sometimes, and this is where comic book movies get a bad rap in the sense that sometimes the bad guys are just these two dimensional, I just want to see the world burn. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, why? Well, cause, because. because I can. Yeah. <laughs> why not? No, there's going to be a giant sky beam that shoots in the sky, and a bunch of armies and spirits. I mean, there, there there are plenty of cliches out there. There's, anytime something is successful, there will be a lot of copycats, and they will be, not be as good as the original success. <laughs> and it just happens. It's like uh, old video games they they would take essentially the same exact game and what you would have to do i think it's like old atari if not older than that and you would just put like a like a template over the screen so it would go from Space Invaders to, like, I know those aren't, that's not correct exactly, but it's essentially the same game. You just put a different, like, screen over the yeah. top of the actual screen. That's awesome. Upgrade. Or, like, the idea of, okay, this is, like, Transformers or Star Wars. This, that's a great history with Star Wars toys, where it's like, well, we've got this stupid little kid's, like, ray gun and hat, We'll just put Star Wars on it. Now it's a Star Wars ray gun. Looks like nothing in the movies. Doesn't look like Han Solo's pistol by any means, but we can sell this crap to kids. I'm not naive in the sense that, yes, there's a lot of stupid consumerist crap out there, but it's always back to the originals. And like when the original hits, there's a reason people want to copy it. And it's very hard to recreate. Very hard. I and mean, it can apply to politics. I think there are a lot of imitators out there. Like, I mean, can you really see somebody, though, trying to imitate Trump? I don't mean, like, the, you know, doing his voice and all this stuff. I mean, like, could somebody, in your imagination, folks, could somebody come around in politics and out Donald Trump, Donald Trump? I highly doubt it. No, there's no way. No way.
2: That's one of those experience things. We've talked about it. You've got a lot of knowledge. I've got a lot of experience. We balance each other when we talk so it works nobody's got the same experience as Donald so there's no way anybody can mimic him
0: whatsoever he's got such a personality it's like to talk wrestling for a second it's like Hulk Hogan and then okay Hulk Hogan's getting a little older it's kind of playing itself out who's going to be the next Hulk Hogan brother and actually it's not it's somebody who's not really like Hulk Hogan at all it's Stone Cold Steve Austin And he's actually very different than Hulk Hogan and how he reached people. Well, who's going to be the next Stone Cold? Well, The Rock's happening at the same time, but he's a little bit different. And then John Cena's nothing like those guys. Like I mean, it's always somebody who really knows themselves. And it could be in wrestling, it could be in politics, it could be in business. Who really knows themselves, gets their stuff together, sets a goal, and just goes for it. Some of it, yes, is natural talent. But most of it is... I really got my stuff together, and I just started going forward the best I could. And occasionally, for some people, it snowballs into an amazing thing, better than they probably could have ever imagined. And I love it in movies. I love it in sports. I love it in politics to a degree. Though politics is such a dirty game. I was talking with uh, Southern Wood off air. And it is, it's disturbing to me that you know when you go see like a sporting event... What you're really arguing over, occasionally you might argue over a call in a game, like what happened with the the Saints this past year, or what happened at the end of the Auburn game against Virginia in the Final Four. It's like, that's not a foul. Yeah, it kind of was a foul, or whatever. You shouldn't have bumped them with your hip, all right? It was a foul. You, <laughs> you didn't go straight up and down. You ran into him. I'll have to, I was upset in the moment, but I've watched the replay, you fouled him, all right? You're the idiot who fouled the three-point shooter, okay? Mm-hmm. And, he, and he sunk the free throws, cool as ice, okay? And cool as the other side of the bill, as Stuart Scott used to say. But we might quibble over a certain play call, or how the refs called a certain play, but at the end of the day, we know the rules of football, we know the rules of basketball, we know the rules of baseball, and we watch what happens on the field, in politics, and this is, I think, the really, I kind of feel like this is one of the problems, there are many problems right now, is it's instead of just talking about policy issues, like agreeing, okay, these are the basic rules, now let's fight about our disagreements, it's more like, no, let's constantly argue over what the rules are in the first place, and constantly try to rig the game in our favor and to our advantage, Exactly. the first two seasons
2: of House of Cards I was really into. And then it's some life happened and I quit watching or whatever. And like the last few years, I've started paying more attention and I no longer have to watch House of Cards. I just watch
0: the news, right? <laughs> right. And in a, and I'm a firm believer in uh, life actually imitates art. You like create a type, right? You create a character. And you better believe, to some degree, people will start to imitate that fiction you made up. So I keep the start of the show by saying the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we pass on, the stories we inherit are the most important things in our lives because they will shape who you are, whether you do it on purpose or not. It doesn't have to be conscious. You can get stuck in a rut and be stuck. You you could be living out a story you don't even know you're living out. and You just keep going Mm -hmm. and you sort of get stuck. So I, I don't know. I'm just. I, my point is, I'm so excited for this week, and I'm having trouble focusing. <laughs> I'm having
1: trouble focusing on the news. I'm so giddy, yeah. <laughs> and it's cool, man, because you're so giddy, and you got that hat on. You look like, so, hey, you're ready.
0: Yeah, well, I got
1: you a new. Looks like you're ready for Bill and Ted Three.
0: That's gonna be fun too. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, it's um, it's interesting to me though how the generations sometimes there's a lost in translation. Oh, yeah. Like, you reach a certain age, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, because I can feel it to a certain degree. I'm only 30, but I can feel this. Where it's like, okay, I grew up in this time period. Now, that was music. Yeah. And all this other crap. That's not rock and roll. Led Zeppelin's rock and roll. Motley Crue's a bunch of cross-dressers uh, you know, uh, pretending to play The rock guitar. is no
1: feelings. And don't get me started on poison. <sighs> Like, yeah, that's hairspray. not rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll doesn't involve ha- Aquanet.
0: Right, but then people could come around and grow up, say, in the early 90s. No, rock and roll is, like, Soundgarden and Nirvana and Pearl Jam, all that. Leave out the hairspray and just get, you know, deep and dirty and a little bit depressing. You know, Nine Inch Nails. Mm. Let's, uh, you know, yeah. let's be depressed all
1: yeah. the time. Pain and suffering, baby.
0: Right. Whereas, I, I don't know, <laughs> that's not my thing, but my point is, it's like, Whatever the era is you like grow up in And it's usually within the time period of Not only coming of age Like from your teens into your 20s But also like the first time you have sex Like I mean there's like all these things That are going on in your life And whatever is the culture at the time That's like the stuff that really means something to you Now of course Like I said there are larger stories And greater traditions That sometimes people It's like dad what was it like growing up in the 60s What was Woodstock like 50-year anniversary, I guess, coming up this year. And most dads, most parents are going to go, I wasn't there. I was working a day job. I heard some of the music on the radio. I thought it was crap. So, I mean, these eras get this mythology around them. And you can ask the people who are actually doing the living at that point, And they're like, well, whatever.
1: Like, okay, um, like the the... The civil rights thing, the movie that we're doing, you know, it's yeah. about the the freedom riders and whatnot. I talked to an old guy about it the other day, and he's an old working guy, man. He's probably sixty five, seventy or whatever, and he said, "Man, I was here when that all happened, and I was working in a tire shop. And you know, you know what I did? I was like, I went to work. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I went to work, and people that were at work did not know any of that was happening right. because they were at work, right, doing their job like dudes do. That's what I'm amazed by. But some of these, like, you
0: know political moments that are supposed to mean so much. Like, what happened in Charlottesville was terrible with the protests and the counter-protests. Guy drives his car over a woman, kills her. Horrible. Terrible. But, I remember at the time thinking, all right, there were maybe a few hundred people there that day actually doing the protesting. A few hundred, if not a few thousand more covering the event. And then you might get millions watching the news the few thousand covering the few hundred. But, while a few hundred people were yelling at each other over a statue, which it might mean something to you, it might not. And It might mean something to you in a bad way, it might mean something to you in a good way. Most people are going about their lives. They're going to work.
1: Yeah, going to work.
0: Or they're enjoying the Perfectly serviceable Saturday in, you know, a park, yeah, Yeah, on a picnic with the family, or watching a Marvel movie, or watching catching up on Game of Thrones, or wrestling, or whatever it is. You could be reading a book. I don't know. I, I sometimes think our political discourse, in particular, because the news always needs something to talk about, grabs onto these events and tries to make them mean more than they actually do. It's like, oh, here's this symbol that now represents our time. Now, there are a few where you have to give it their due. It's like, you know, going to the moon in 1969. It's a big deal. Not Most most people didn't do that, but they watched it or they heard about it. And it's an incre- It's a moment that you can't forget. 9-11 was one of those moments in a more tragic way. JFK being assassinated. Very clear. Watergate. Very clear. There are very clear moments that happen. But I think something that's going on now, especially with the political news... And sometimes you see it with movies and television, too. It's like, this is a very important, the biggest thing ever. This defines our times. And it's like, no, it actually has to show itself defining our times. Like, I think people get caught up in the moment, and they think they're always living the most important thing ever. In a way, that's right, because your life's always important. But when a moment is really big, it needs to prove itself big. The reason I'm talking about, say, Avengers Endgame in such a big way I think it's already showing just as an economic story a movie making over a billion dollars in a week what a huge success the technological advancement in order to pull off the special effects in that movie, what a huge success Mm. all the other artwork and artistry, the writing the cinematography everything that goes into that is is remarkable. You just take these stories that are... Comic books are all over the place on purpose, too. They never want to tie the bow too much. You take these stories that some people might have grown up with. I was never a comic book reader. And then you say, okay, this is what we're trying to achieve. Here's our goal. And you see people from all walks of life, all different experiences come together and create something amazing. Um, we need more of that in this country. I think sometimes the politics, at the end of the day, is about how do we win? How do we change the rules in order to rig it into our favor? And the other side's evil and we're always good. I feel like the media's
2: job right now, or what they feel their job is, is to hype everything up that comes to light. Uh, yeah. Bernie, Bernie Sanders threw a cookie wrapper away and it missed the trash can <laughs> and he didn't pick it up. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> care about the planet. Yeah. And, and, that's, and everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to be the loudest, and that's, that's
0: what they're trying to do. Mm, they're trying to make money with it. It's, I mean, it's classic uh, wrestling psychology. I mean, you can try to be the good guy. You can be Hulk Hogan. You can be the babyface, But it's a lot of fun to be a heel. Like, you are purposely trying to piss off the people watching. <laughs> and not, like, piss them off in the sense that they're like, oh, we know we're supposed to boo you. Boo, you're a bad guy. No, it's more like people are actually angry. Oh, they're mad. And that sells tickets. It's like you want people to be so pissed off at you that they're going to come and watch you get your ass kicked. Yeah, I mean, that's what, like, I think Floyd Mayweather has done this sort of tactics. Conor McGregor does this. Why does he showboat so much? Mm -hmm. I mean, they want to hype, 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 hype. And so a lot of the news is operating in that way. See, I like that game, the hype game, especially if you're playing the bad guy, when it is sort of culminating. And like a year from now, we're going to have this incredible bout, this MMA match or boxing match or wrestling match, whatever. But when it's every day, the way we make money is by pissing people off and telling them their world is very wrong and broken. And here's how it is wrong and broken. And here's who's to blame. And it never really has any payoff. There's never really any blow off. There's never really any closure. It's just constant outrage. Be pissed off. The world's going to hell. And these particular people are to blame. It's a terrible model. And they make money with it. It's a great model for making money. Don't get me wrong. For some reason, outrage really sells. Outrage, in a way, is what... Why do you think you see this stuff on Facebook and Twitter? Because they've crafted algorithms not to... This is what I think a lot of people get wrong. Facebook... There might be people within that company, for instance, that are definitely left-leaning politically. But what they're really doing at the end of the day is, we want to keep you on our website. We want to keep you on Facebook so you see more ads. And we can tell our advertisers, look at how many people are staying on Facebook for this long. Because they're mad. Right. And so they figured out anger and outrage really keeps people on the website, keeps people engaged and commenting. And they can find out more things about those people. So really what's going on is, how can we craft algorithms that keep people fixated on our product and the awful spinoff is that it affects the politics every day. I don't think it's uh, healthy for us. We need some sort of conclusion. We need some sort of blow off or settle the situation. That's why I find I went on a rant yesterday about the Russia Mueller report thing is I thought the Mueller report would be some sort of objective standards as much as something can be objective in politics. No. Not at all. Everybody's still as divided as they always were. Everybody's still ready to fight over it. It didn't conclude anything. It's just more of the same.
2: Exactly. I was watching the screen earlier. It was like, investigate the investigators. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, when does it end?
0: Well, and continue the investigation <clears throat> that Mueller started, yeah. And, no, and don't get me wrong. I want to know more on the basis of I care about the awesome I think unconstitutional surveillance powers, the intelligence agency has, those powers were used to spy on a political campaign. It's one of the big worries that came out of when Snowden leaked this information in 2013, that these folks who are unelected and you don't even know their names could be using these levers of power, Snowden call it turnkey tyranny. So I care in that sense, Mm -hmm. but in the political sense, you're right. We're going to investigate the investigators to really stick it to the Democrats, or the Democrats are going, we now need to subpoena Don McGahn and every Trump staffer that we've already seen be interviewed for hours by the special counsel. We now need to get them on television and get our soundbite to rile up our base. And that's the one thing I think we're missing the most in American political life. I think there's all sorts of great stories going on in American society. Whether it's the Avengers, whether you like wrestling, whether you love March Madness and the Final Four, or you love watching NFL football, though that got poisoned by politics in a way for a couple of years. It could be whatever you enjoy. There's plenty of things that give people meaning and purpose. And I think it's probably dangerous if most of your meaning and purpose in life is coming from this constant outrage machine we call politics. It's better to be part of a tribe that I think is a little deeper than that, whether it's your faith or your family or whatever. But what we're missing in American political life is sort of clear rules of the road that lead to, yes, conflict, because that's what politics really is about. If it was easy, we wouldn't need to be arguing all the time. And have some sort of way to go, okay, that was decided. The closest thing we have to it are elections. But now even those are constantly under scrutiny and up for grabs. He's not a legitimate president. That's not my president. Blah, 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 blah. It's not giving anybody any closure or really any catharsis in that we're part of something together. Unfortunately, it usually takes very tragic, horrible events that bring people together. Though, how long do we remember those things? Like, I still remember seeing 9-11, myself. You know, it's a weird thing that this show, the Joe Clark Radio Hour, began on 9-11 two years ago. Almost two years ago. Coming up this September. And that is a moment I think everybody sort of, yeah, I remember where I was. Even if you were a little kid, I remember how, that's what I remember. Is I wasn't so much scared myself. I was more like, I was actually angry. It's like, well, whoever did that needs to die. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no uh, hesitation in that sense. But uh, I really remember how scared the adults were. I'd never seen people like that. Full grown people are always the authority. And, you know, sometimes you catch glimpses of they're hypocrites or whatever. You know, people are people, even if you're grown. But,. It's more the the absolute fear of, like, what's going to happen next? Is this all going to hold together? 9-11 reminded people of that. And that's why I think you see people rally together. I mean, in a way, World War II defined a generation, defined the country, in that struggle. But is there a way we can do that without, you know, war or death? I hope so. I think going to the moon was one of those things. And this is what I keep saying. We need a loftier goal than... I'm unhappy. I'm aggrieved. These people are to blame. Make me whole. Mm -hmm. You know, give me something. Give me, give me, give me. I I think it will never be satisfied. Like, if you are fully dependent on somebody doing something else for you, and it's not like a, you know, a true give or take that's a, you know, a cherished covenant. I mean, like, it's a one way street of I'm aggrieved. Give me something. I don't think we're ever going to have any good resolution. There will never be. Uh, a f- series finale, or never be the final end game. It'll just be more of the same until, well, something really bad happens. And I have all this worry and woe, and the news, yes, folks, gets us down. But like I was talking about last week, this is the best time in human history to have ever lived. There's more opportunity today than ever before in history. And you can hear people like Bernie Sanders riling up you know, resentment in the sense that the top 1% have all the wealth. And yeah, there's a large amount of wealth compared to everybody else in the top. But imagine you are like a homeless bum. I would rather be a homeless bum today than, say, in the 40s or the 30s in the Great mm-hmm. Depression. There's just more opportunity to change your life, to pick yourself up, whether it's from the government or from all sorts of organizations and people looking to help one another out. And I, I find it difficult. Maybe it's just human nature, but we always seem to focus on the negative, myself included. It's easier to, I guess, point out what's wrong rather than what's right and where we can go. That's the point of having leaders, is it not, folks? These leaders should be pointing out that's the horizon we're going towards. Let's go. And it should inspire. And uh, maybe politics isn't the answer in that regard. Maybe we need something a little be- bigger and better.
2: I don't think it is, because they, all they focus on is that guy over there did this bad thing. I'm better than him. It, it's never... Like you said, we, we don't have, like, this goal. Right. There's, there's nothing we strive for. It's just we want to get better having other people make us better. Right. We don't want to make ourselves better.
0: Well, and the game has become, and it's been the game for a while, you don't, in politics, you don't have to prove yourself a saint. It's not the game. It's not the goal. You just have to show the guy you're against or the guy who's competing with you is more of a center. Right. Like, I know I'm an SOB, but, man, look at that dude. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the game we're playing, and I don't think it's going to end anytime soon, so I think the best we can do is individuals as people remove from being right in the heat of the game, is, you know, look for things that give you meaning. And it starts by, you know, giving your own life goals. But you should enjoy these moments. I'm going to enjoy Sunday. It's not like the most meaningful thing in my life. I means. Anyway, it's, it's a TV show. It's a movie at the end of the day. But it's also freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. who in the 1930s could have imagined a billion-dollar movie? Number one, they wouldn't have the time. Yeah. They'd be worried about just getting food in their mouth. But we're so lucky that we do have food in our mouths, even if you're not making that much money, that you can go enjoy life. Something I think that we should uh, recognize. It's not just for Americans, but it's a worldwide phenomenon. And maybe that's a little bit of hope. Our culture and the things we create, the stories we tell, whether personally or on a grand scale, um, are actually more meaningful than any, say, political fight. So we got to hit this break. be right back after this.
1: we Clark. Joey Clark.
0: Well, welcome back, folks. The show is brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodsing Group. Eddie the man. Bader, he's the man. We've been helping you out, right, Ed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's so good. Like, you can give him... Say you want to buy a home. Here's about how much money we need to spend, Eddie. He'll give you so many options and help you kind of understand, wow, there's more than I thought. You did that for me. I didn't realize how many options here in the River Region there were. Exactly. It's like we're in a tricky situation. And
2: he has figured out the ways that he can get us into a house with what we have. Right. And it's just amazing.
0: Well, and then it doesn't have to be like... I think everybody in here could say we have modest incomes. Oh, yes. Um, But say you hit it big or you saved over a lifetime and you want that great lakeside property to retire in or relax in on the weekends... Well, I think Eddie's already living lakeside, and he'll give you a pontoon boat tour. Mm. And it's The weather's getting right for it. I, it's such a treat, folks, because there's all sorts of winding roads. It takes a while sometimes to get to a takes lake It takes a long time to get from one side well, to the other. Well, now you can just go up and one winding road, then get on that pontoon boat, float, and go see several properties in a day. It's a great experience, and Eddie's a great guy to do with. Down to earth, really knows his stuff, too. He changed his own life with real estate, investing in it. He knows how to manage properties. He knows how to pull off a successful open house, the sort of renovations and repairs you need to do before you ever put a home on the market. And he does know also how to walk through a potential first-time home buyer. Maybe it's not your first rodeo. He's not going to talk you your ear off. He's going to go. Okay, you want this? You want that? All right. Here are your options. Let's make this work. So, if you're looking for an all-around, down-to-earth, great real estate agent to buy or sell a home for you, folks, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. His number is three two two zero six six two. Again, that number for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group.
1: Three two two zero six six two. Man, what a voice!
0: That was that was the funniest
2: thing last week. Emily was like, "Do me a favor. I'm busy." We were, she, was, she was driving. Mm-hmm. She was like, Text Eddie, tell him this, and get him to send you this listing that he showed me. Sure. And I was like, Dang it, I don't have his number. <laughs> oh, wait 3220662. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah.
0: the point, baby. That's the point. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, I was talking earlier, and I've touched on this before, um, but it's, you know, fair enough to revisit. I'm doing a show five freaking days a week. Yeah. Uh, this idea of the outrage machine, outrage plays, outrage hooks people in, how do we change that? Because people are always going to try to make money. Whether it's a stupid, you know, reposting like libertarian website, which I used to write for. I understood the tricks of the trade. Oh, here's how you come up with a catchy headline that will hook people in. Here's how you do your search engine optimization. Here's, and, it, and it kind of made me sick seeing how how simple, the game was mm-hmm. in a way, and if you know, if you want to make money doing it, you got to play the game. So fair enough. I'm not going to knock people who do it necessarily, but whether it's a, a little website or it's Drudge Report or it's you know Fox News or MSNBC, they're going to continue to do the things that make them money. The way we change any. Money making venture, and we're not the ones running the business, is not by protest and boycott and having the government come into and control big tech or the media or whatever. The way we do it is we change ourselves. And the way I would put it is this say I am, you know, telling you about Eddie Bader, or say I you know, have a restaurant that's a sponsor, and I tell you all about this restaurant. If you're not hungry, you're not going to go eat. <laughs> right? Like ever, And this is one thing that I find amazing. Content marketing does work. Advertising does work. Radio really is an advertising business. What Facebook is doing, they're an advertising business. Mm-hmm. That's their model. And they're also selling your data, too. That's a whole other story. We're not selling your data, folks. We don't know that much about you here at the radio station. Or do we? Anyway. <laughs> advertising isn't some magical thing. If you are looking to buy or sell a home and you hear about Eddie Bader, then give him a call. But if you're not, you're in a home that you're happy in and you have no plans to move, like you found your spot. Whatever I say is probably not going to convince you. Nope. And I think there are too many things, like there are too many people that are marks for the outrage. They're, and it's a, essentially an old con man or carny term. It's now used in wrestling too. You're a mark. Like, when I convince you to have the reaction that I wanted to have, <laughs> you were you acting like such an effin' mark. You're my you sucker. Right. <laughs> but then it's not always a bad thing in the sense, you know, the comment connotation is, is one thing. It, it's more like, hey, we have this idea, we have this product or the service, hopefully you're interested. And in if you are, here's a really good person to do this with. But, you know, I see ads all the time on Facebook or Google. Sometimes they work. For instance, I saw IHOP's new cannoli pancakes. It was... Saturday morning, 4.20 happened to be the date. Like, it's 8.30 in the morning. It's raining outside. I'm not getting in my car. I'm ordering some of those pancakes, all right? I'm going to have a cheat day. I'm going to enjoy myself. You plant a bunch of seeds, and you see what grows. Right, but then when I see, like, you know, ads for $200 boots or $60, like, T-shirts, like, oh, you've been working out, bruh. But the like, gu- here's these this T-shirt that's cut just to accent your muscles, and you click on the ad, and it's like, $80 for one shirt? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you, people? People.
1: Goth not, Crocs.
0: Right, I'm not buying that crap.
1: <laughs> they're 250 bucks for some Crocs with studs, uh, right. studs on them. So,
0: in, in a sense, that you have to be ready to bite the hook. You have to be a mark. And, you know, on some things, they're necessary. But I think too many people in polit- who watch politics, who consume this stuff, let Google, Facebook, MSNBC, Fox News, Drudge Report, and even, say, us at the radio station, don't let us do your thing... Thinking for you. And I'm not saying you do, but to the extent anybody does, that's not a good way to live. You always need to, to the best of your ability. I know we're in, well, busy days, busy schedules. There are days I don't even want to watch the news, even when I'm supposed to. But you have to, in some way, keep a little bit of independence to realize, you know, when you're watching, say, Fox News, why am I so pissed off right now? <laughs> 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 like my dad would constantly, he probably still does to this day. I love my dad, but he will fall asleep watching Fox News to the point of, like, Hannity's replay is already on at one in the morning, and it's sinking into his subconscious and his dreams. (laughs) It's like, no, you fake news, sit down. I mean, I see enough of President Trump on the television screen. I don't need him in my dreams, all right? My goodness. So how does that affect you? Why are you getting so upset? That's something you should think about in a way. And am I being played? is I think the best way to put it. My issue,
2: the, the whole reason I don't even really care about politics or or care I care, but I don't care to follow. right. I don't I'm not in it every day. And that's because I see this show bring me this story, that show, brings me the same story from the other side right. and then i'm curious so i go to a website and i get part c and then i'm like oh well what is this what this website's part d and it's none of them really sync up right <laughs> they, they've got the same main character and like the same action performed by 20 different people. It's it's
0: one of those, it's Who do you believe? Well, and it let's use the exact example. Back during the 2016 campaign, this is one I've heard pointed out, mostly by Democrats, and where Donald Trump, it's right after all the info about Russia and hacking the DNC, uh, Trump is doing a press conference. And he's like, Russia, if you're listening, Russia if you could find Hillary's missing 33,000 emails, I'd greatly appreciate it. And when I heard that, I'm like, dudes make it a joke. He, the point is, Russia's hacking, Hillary was pretty fast and loose with how she secured her emails in her old <laughs> bathroom server, and Trump is, number one, reminding people of she had that server. Yeah, Russia hacked, but look at all the dirt they got. But Number two, it's just a way to make a joke, too. It's like mm-hmm. it takes those two great damaging stories to his opponent and makes it into a joke. It's a great joke. That's how you build a joke. Well, no, and if you go to even the most stringent thing, and I think it's why people understood Trump, uh, like when he was talking about John McCain, because you, let's not kid ourselves, folks. And you know, I have a grandfather who served in Vietnam. He's told me a lot about it, mostly in recent years, and he remembers coming back and how toxic it was to be at the treatment a lot of soldiers who came back from that war received. I don't think that was right. But it's also, especially in the political setting, you hear all this stuff like, they're a hero. He's a hero. He served in the war. Look at that hero. Look at that. Here, Don't you dare credit. Who are you? You're some talk show host 30-year-old punk. Who are you to question a hero that served this country? Put his life on the line. It's a powerful statement. Mm-hmm. But when you're saying the same thing about a guy for 30-something years, and he's lost political campaigns, he's been on all different sides of political issues, he seems to be more a dealmaker out for himself and keeping his Senate seat than actually having a coherent ideology and is always looking for the next war abroad, even though the Cold War was over, I kind of get annoyed when John McCain is referred to as a great, a great hero. And I think a lot of people understood, even if they respected it, yeah, he is a hero. He suffered for the country. Even if people agree with that, it's more that it becomes a just tried-and-true political cudgel to beat people over the head with, well, you might not like my policy, but do remember I'm a hero. So that's in the ether. That's out there in the political culture with John McCain and Donald Trump is being told that, you know, he's criticizing McCain. I think it was Frank Luntz, the idiot who wears thousand dollar suits and twenty dollar tennis shoes with him. Good God, man! <laughs> you can get nice looking shoes that are comfortable. You dope. Um, so he's like, but what about John McCain? Well, he's a he's a hero. Well, I like I like he's I like heroes that weren't captured. He was captured, all right. And to which. <laughs> You're like it's a joke in a way. It's also making a point of I'm tired of this taboo Mm -hmm. that we can't ever question John McCain because he's hero. But it's also kind of like, well, it's, it's a little, it's a little funny. Yeah, it's a little funny. And then of course the outrage machine happens, and that's what I think happened with Trump a lot. People would see him do something, and to your point, you just brought up, I would see it and go, that's hilarious. I don't know how much I agree or disagree with it, but that's funny. That's that's obviously a joke. And other people just freak out. How could you say such things about John McCain? And it's one thing if you're Meghan McCain and you're McCain's daughter. But if you're just the average person, okay, jokes are supposed to, you know, jokes usually aren't that good unless they're at somebody's expense. And you need to piss off a few people at least. Or else, what good is the joke? Right. There's very few that are good. So I, I think there, it often happens, and this is what I keep saying. We don't really have... We have facts in the world. We have policies that I think, based on the facts, we better for people. We also have values, and I think there are policies that uphold certain values I cherish better than other policies. But at the end of the day, that's not what politics is about. It's about, how do you interpret the symbol? Like Trump saying something about John McCain. How do you interpret, say, the Access Hollywood video? When you're famous, they let you do anything. You can grab them by the... <laughs> how do you... When you see that, how do you interpret it? Is he just... He's committing sexual assault left and right, just grabbing people by the, the hoo-ha all day long? Or is it more him going, I'm famous. I'm rich. I get away with a lot because I'm famous and rich. Not because, oh, I'm doing things... It's more like Tiger Woods, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Like, you have, when you're rich and famous, you have a lot of opportunities, especially in that field. I'm talking about sex, people. (laughs) And, you know, is it right? Not necessarily, but there are different ways to look at this stuff. And so, and it could be stupid statements by the president, or stupid tweets, or it could be really serious events that we interpret. Politics at the end of the day is how do you interpret certain symbols in order to gain power? It's really it. Throwing symbols out there, interpreting them in a certain way, usually to stoke people's emotions, not their minds, in order to win and wield power. If you're ever confused by politics, I think that's a pretty good formula on how mm-hmm. it actually works and why it has seemed so outrageous and negative and ridiculous. Because the game is not to tell you the truth and not to make good faith arguments. It's about rigging the game in favor of people's favored symbols
2: the one thing that i think we could be better at as a society is <clears throat> the thing that always bothers me is cindy hits john And Brenda gets mad about it. Mm. (laughs) She wasn't anywhere near the fight. (laughs)
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you. Brilliant point. Yes. We we don't be a Brenda. We
2: care so much about other people in the wrong way. Yes. I guess it's that's. I think if we could if we could quit if we could let. If somebody stands up and says, I've been oppressed or I've been harmed or hurt, then support them. But if they're not, then why are you making such a big deal about it?
0: Right. Well, and also, it's more like, are you... Do you really care? And it's a mix, of course. Yeah. But do you really care about the fact that, what is it, Cindy hit John and Brenda's pissed? Yeah. Brenda, are you really mad about the harm caused? And do you want to, like, go give John a Band-Aid or, you know, a kiss where it hurts? Or, and why? The, why the, where did Cindy hit John? Because that could be a hell of a kiss. <laughs> um, but, do you really care that he's hurt and you want to remedy that hurt? Or do you kind of care that he's hurt, but you also want to show how good of a person you are by calling out Cindy for that's, hitting him? That's what they want to do. They want to be a
2: good. They want to be seen as a good person. Yes. They don't want to be a good person.
1: Right. They're, that, in well, my, that's how tough. I feel. Well, it's tough. That's why your dad. <laughs> that's why he's dead. Totally, and the stash. Yeah, the mustache plays brings, brings out words in him that I've never. I thought I had a mustache that was you know good
0: last year on Christmas time. No, your mustache plays. Yeah, look good. I mean,
2: I'm going to keep it for a while. I've been
0: calling him Dad. Please don't chase me with any fake rebar though. Anytime <laughs> soon, I don't no. care if it's fake. <laughs> Please don't hit me with anything. Uh, well, this was a fun, free-flowing show. Yeah, yeah. I'm so pumped for this weekend. I'm so excited. I mean, the news isn't all that great, folks. It's all the same crap we've been talking about for years now. We'll see if anything big breaking happens tomorrow. But until then, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you, folks, for listening.
1: I'll be back. Adios. Joey Clark.